Good morning. It's uh, a... <clears throat> It's a good morning, uh, partly because uh, there's none of that white stuff on the ground. You know, so if you are a winter fan, um, I am so sorry, but not really, because I am praising God that it was a foggy Christmas Eve morning this morning. <clears throat> Last night as we were doing our service, uh, <clears throat> it kind of started to dawn on me a little bit, a little bit more at least, because maybe you're like me, and I- I'm a summer type of guy. Anybody else? Like, if you gave me a place that is, like, 75, 80 degrees year-round, I'd be like, I, I believe that's what heaven on earth is like. And uh, in the wintertime, darkness seems to creep in a little bit earlier and earlier every single day, it feels like. And, and as the darkness creeps in, the coolness of the night creeps in. And, and it's a struggle for me because as the darkness creeps in, it gets darker and darker and darker. And we're sitting down for dinner, and... And, you know, my kids were eating dinner, and then I'm like, man, like, it's got to be time for bed. And they're like, Dad, it's five. And I was like, bummer, we should really change those clocks so that it is time for bed right now, right? Darkness, though. Darkness, I think for a lot of us, is something that we fear. Maybe you grew up and you had to have one of those nightlights. Because there is just something in the darkness or about the darkness that scared you just a little bit. I mean, like, people are making millions of dollars now, right? Like, Amazon is making millions of dollars by putting those nightlights in those Alexas that listen to everything, right? Darkness. And, and for some of us, maybe you've grown up enough where you don't have to have a nightlight anymore. Congrats, you've made it. Um, <clears throat> but if we're... Also being truthful, there is still something about darkness that maybe scares you a little bit. Maybe there's just something about the unknown, the uncertainty that comes with darkness. I mean, that's the truth, I believe, for a lot of us. And I I think that that is the case for even our characters today. We've been in the series called The Spirit of Christmas where we've looked at the four angelic encounters leading up to and as part of the Christmas story. So we kicked it off with the angelic encounter with Zechariah, and then we looked at the angelic encounter with Joseph, the human father of adopted father of of baby Jesus, and then uh, Mary, Mother Mary, and her encounter. And then today, today we are going to look at the angelic encounter with the shepherds, the shepherds. The lowly, outcasted, smelly shepherds. But when you think about shepherds, especially in the ancient context, shepherds would not have been unfamiliar with darkness. You could even make an argument that maybe, possibly, darkness would be like an old friend for them. But there's still something I I would assume and I would bet money on that Even for shepherds, darkness still created a little bit of tension for them. As they're sitting there watching their field at night and they hear the twig crack. What's out there? Is it a predator? Is it a lion? Is it something trying to come and to take my sheep? And that's terrifying in and of itself. But then what if it's not an animal? What if it's actually somebody? What if it's a thief or a robber or somebody looking to attack them? So in the darkness of the night, all these sounds and everything going on, 
there's still something about being in the darkness with the uncertainty and unknown that maybe, just maybe, brings a little bit of fear in their life still. Maybe you have found yourself a little bit scared of the unknown, the darkness in your life right now. Maybe for some of us, it's the broken uh, things that you've been walking in relationally or at work. Maybe you, you walk into this morning and you're already dreading the moment of going back to work on Tuesday. Because things are just not good. There's broken relationships, friendships there. And you're like, this is a dark time. There's probably some of us that feel hopeless and dark in the situation that maybe we're living in as our bills are piling up, but the money just doesn't seem to add. And you're asking the question, how am I going to make these payments and literally keep the lights on so it's not dark? Dark days. For some of us, maybe we're fearful of what may come next if you actually don't find the answers you're searching for. That there's a crippling foothold maybe of temptation consuming you and leading you into an uncertain future. And you're searching for hope. You're searching for answers. You're searching for just a way out. But right now, you're crippled by darkness. Can I just share that I believe the story we're going to dig into today, the story we're going to look at, gives us a very simple truth. And this is it. With God, darkness never gets the final word. With God, darkness never gets the final word. And it never has. And I think that's what the Christmas story, especially this angelic encounter, points us to. <clears throat> See, darkness is not how we were designed to live. If you go back in the very beginning, Genesis, you, you remember and you read that God created light. He created the sun. He created us to live in his light. And darkness is not how we were designed to live. And, and in this life, when we feel dark times and dark moments ahead, it's not that we have a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what we search for, right? But it's not that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, a light far off. No, 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 no. The light is accessible. There is one who has come into this world to not just be a light at the end of the tunnel, but one who has come to say, my light will disperse and absolutely eradicate darkness, if you believe in me. And today, I'm going to just give this away. I'm not going to try and hold on to my cards tightly. I'm not going to try to manipulate or emotionally charge you into something. But rather, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you right away, right from the get-go, I'm going to ask you to make a choice today. You're going to have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. Because there's a moment for, for all of us today to choose to come and find healing and freedom from darkness in our life. That I'm, I'm not, I don't know the right word. My kids are in here, so I can't say, I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm not an idiot. There's people who have walked in here today that are broken and hurting and searching for hope. And if you would just let him speak to you and if you would listen, you can find it today. You can find it today. You can leave here different than what you walked in with. And, and there's an invite. There's always been an invite to come and experience his hope, his light in your life. But you have to make a choice. You have to choose. And I'm sure it's the same as the shepherds in that very first Christmas night. There's a moment where absolute chaos broke out. 
They're watching their fields. They're watching their flock in the fields. They're hanging out, doing their normal thing, and nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden, instantly, an angel appears. Chaos erupts. You can imagine their moment of absolute brightness and radiance of God being shown and an angel appearing to them and talking to them. And they had to make a choice. This is what it says. If you have your Bible or if you have your phone, uh, this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So here's this moment. The angels appear to the shepherds. And as the angel stands before the shepherds, he says, listen, I got some really good news. Not just for you, not just for the Jews or just the Gentiles. It says for all people. All people. He says, the Messiah, the Savior of the, of the world, the Savior, is born today. He's like, this is some radical good news. Do not miss the good tidings I bring. The, the word good tidings literally translates to the good news, the gospel that I bring you. The first people to declare the arrival of Jesus as the Lord, the Son of God, are the angels, but they don't keep it to themselves. They give it to the shepherds, and they say, go and find this baby. Do something with this news. Don't just hold on to it. Born this day in the city of David, a savior. The, the shepherds would know what that means. They would know that a savior in the city of David from God himself, this must be the Messiah, the one that we've waited so long Year after year, awaiting and, and wanting this Savior to come, and he is finally here. But they also must have been a little bit possibly confused, I would assume. Because think back to those days. They're, they're hoping for freedom. They're hoping for to be totally let go of the rule that they are under, that Rome has just been putting its thumb on them. And they're like, well, the Savior, this Messiah who comes, he, he's probably going to come and he's going to be a mighty soldier. He's going to be ripped. He's going to be chiseled. He's going to carry the biggest sword and he's going to have the biggest stallion. And everybody that sees him is going to fear him. And he's not going to be like me. He's going to be something so different. And then the angel's like, yeah, he's a baby. A baby. What they were hoping for is maybe the next great politician, the next great reformer, the next great king, someone more powerful than Caesar. But what they forgot and what sometimes we also forget is that we don't need another advisor. We don't need another reformer or even another committee. What they needed is what we need even today. We need a savior. 
We need a Savior, a Savior of the world. And after the angel gives this message, it says a whole army of angels appears to them and starts praising God, starts singing his praises, glory to God in the highest, glory to God. It's almost as if in this moment, after the angels disappear, God almost makes this moment. And I I love the way that my good friend, he's an author, he's a speaker. His name is Bob Goff. We're best buds. Um, I've met him once in my life. He doesn't know we're best friends, but I do. Um, And so the way that he puts it is this. And I love the way he puts it when he reflects back on the Christmas story. This is what he says. From a manger in Bethlehem, God leaned over the whole entire world. And he said, It's your move. It's your move. When the angels leave and go back to heaven, ultimately there's a moment where these shepherds have to stand there and you can hear the rumblings in their conversation. Did did you see what I just saw? Like, I'm not making that up, right? You can hear them starting to question, like, is this real? What do we have for dinner? That was like normal food, right? Like we're not missing anything. Like angels of the Lord literally just appeared. And then it's almost, you can hear them saying like, so what do we do? What do we do? What does this mean? What's our response to this? I think those are the same questions that you and I have to ask this morning. What do you do with the news of a baby in a manger being born that is the savior of the world? What do you do with this? What does this baby's birth mean for you and me? What's your response? What's my response? What is our response? And I love that line. It's your move. See, God moved. 400 years of essentially silence is what is is called between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where we don't really see God speaking all that much, and there's not much of like God intervening and doing all these great radical moves of God and work of God in between these Old Testament and the New Testament. And then all of a sudden, God says, all right, I'll make a move. And he sends his son in the form of a baby to this earth. God moved, and now he's leaning over the manger, and you can almost hear him whispering, but at the same time shouting to your spirit and shouting to your soul, it's your move. What are you going to do with my boy? What are you going to do? And he's saying, like, listen, with me in my presence, darkness will never get the final word. Because with God, darkness never gets it. It's never had it, and it never will have it. Darkness will never triumph in the presence of God. And the shepherds, they, they, they have this conversation, what do we do? And it says they go and find this baby. They don't hesitate all that much. They, they pick up, they, they wake their sheep up, and they say, we got to go find this baby. And then they take off. And, and don't miss, it says they left their fields and their flocks, and they set out to find them. And how do they know that this baby is the one they're looking for? Well, the angel said, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you very clearly, this is what it will be. You're going to look for a baby. He's going to be wrapped in claws, and he's going to be lying in a manger. 
The Hebrew word that we translate wrapped in cloths literally translates not just to be wrapped in a cloth, but also to be tied down. Tied down. It's almost as if the baby, Jesus, as he's wrapped in the cloth, lying in the manger, he's, he's started to say, like, I'm going to start to put some roots and tie down into this world to do something different. But it's not the last time that this boy will be wrapped in cloths. He'll be tied down to a cross as nails pierced his wrists and his feet. And then he'll be wrapped in a cloth and placed into a dark tomb where three days later he will victoriously rise again. This isn't the last time that he's wrapped in cloths. It's almost as if God is saying, watch what I'm about to do in this bigger story that you are a part of, that from the very birth of my son, Jesus' birth, all the way to the end of his life, points to God's ultimate plan. From the very birth of Jesus, it is, it's the very beginning, it points to the ultimate plan, that his birth has a purpose. That Christmas, what we celebrate this morning and last night, and some of us even tomorrow on Christmas Day, is pointing us directly towards Easter. It's not just about a baby crying in the night wrapped in a manger. That's a really good, lovey, like, warm story. But, he doesn't stay in a manger. The manger becomes empty. And the cross becomes full. And then the cross becomes empty because the tomb gets filled. And then the tomb becomes empty because he rises again so that you and I can live eternally with him in heaven. That's the good news of Christmas too. Like that is some good news to a broken, hurting world. That his birth has a purpose. I love the way Tim Keller says it this way, that the world can't save itself. We've tried that path. We suck at it. He doesn't say that. He says, the world can't save itself. That is the message of Christmas. I added my little quote in there too. So you can quote me and Tim Keller at the same time. That'd be sweet. But God is in these details. God is in the details of the story. God is in the details of the little cloth. Because it points us to a bigger picture. And it's the same thing that God is in the details of if he's in the details of the, the small little cloth in, in the life of Jesus in this story, he's in the details of your life. He's in the details of the pain you're feeling with a broken, hurting family dynamic right now. Maybe some of you walked into this morning and you had a horrible blow up in the parking lot before getting out. There's hurting families. There's parents contemplating divorce. There's kids who are estranged from their parents. There's grandparents grieving that maybe their grandkids don't know Jesus. They're hurting family dynamics. Can I tell you that Jesus is in those details? Jesus, the little details of laying in a manger, a, a small little manger, he's in the details also of inviting us to lay down our pride and our ego and bring relationships and bring hurting things in our lives back to him for him to reconcile. He's in the details of those. He's in the details of being born in this little town called Bethlehem. But he's in those details of you being exactly where you are needed at the exact right moment. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in divine appointments. There may be people here who walked in this morning and said, I'm just here to check the box. 
It's here to hopefully make people feel better. There might be people here tonight, or sorry, this morning, that you don't know why you're here. You walked in, and you're like, well, I guess I'll go to church. Maybe for some of us, this is our last ditch effort. Can I just share that I believe God has you exactly where you are in the exact right moment for a reason? It's not a coincidence. It's a divine appointment that God is in the details. Every detail. As I think about Christmas, I'm often reminded that everything may not change in a moment, but that one moment may change everything. Everything may not change in a moment. It's not that when Jesus was born that the whole world went back to perfection. Like, that would have been cool. I'm not going to lie. If I didn't have to walk through some of the brokenness and junk in my life, anybody else, that would have been convenient, right? God, you were born. Everything goes back to perfection like it was in the garden. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody. But no, 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 no. No, no, no. It was everything didn't change in that moment, but that moment changed everything. Because in that moment, light was brought to a dark world. In that moment, hope was born. In that moment, Jesus came and he said, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. Don't miss it, my friends. Don't miss it that in that moment, everything began to change. Everything can change. And the story of this angelic encounter is so encouraging to me. Because it doesn't just end with them going and finding Jesus. It continues on. And this is what it says in verse 17. Again, picking up a little bit later. So they go and they see baby Jesus. And it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child, this baby. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary. Beautiful young Mary kept all of these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because it was just as the angel had told them. The encouragement is this, is after they go and they find Mary and Joseph, and they find baby Jesus wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, it, it would have been a strange sight. This is not normally where a baby would be born. But, but they know what the angel said, and then they go and find exactly what they are told. And it's interesting to me that as the angels leave, they go and find Jesus. And when they leave Jesus, they don't get another angelic encounter because they now have abiding experience with the living, breathing God. Give me that over angelic encounters any day. Give me that. Because angels may go, but Jesus continually remains. And he's always remained. And it says, all those that heard the story of the shepherds marveled at what they heard. They were astonished. They amazed everybody who heard it. And so even if these shepherds, remember they were outcasts, they were low of the low on the totem pole, maybe they didn't fully understand what they just experienced. But can you imagine them going and being like, I don't understand all this, but let me tell you what happened. An angel appeared. And it was so bright. It was like brighter than tide white bright. You know what I'm saying? It was so bright. And he said this to me. And then we went and saw this baby. And when we went and saw this baby, I just had this peace knowing that this is actually who they said he was. And I don't really know the fullness maybe of all this. 
But that baby's God. And he's going to change everything. He's going to change everything. See, what started as a very dark night for them quickly turned into a bright and hopeful future. In the darkness, God was stirring in the womb of, of young Mary. And then as she gave birth to the son, light entered the world. And there was a moment where the world, evil, thought it had won. That the darkness took over. As Jesus was hanging on a cross and buried in a tomb for three days, darkness thought it had won. But here's the good news of God, is that even in the moments of darkness, God is still stirring and God is still working. That darkness will never triumph. Because in the darkness... In the tomb, God was moving and renewing and reconciling hope for you and for me. Because God is victorious over the darkness. There's been some dark moments in my life in this season. I'd love to stand here and say that, you know, um, I'd love to sit here and be like, this season has been awesome. Everything's been Red and green and sparkles and lights and like everything's been awesome. But um, this season has been dark and heavy for me. This is the first Christmas without my grandfather. He passed away in September. A man who was so pivotal to me and my family and my faith. A man who I love so deeply, he gave me a role model. This Christmas just has a different weight to it. This Christmas is is weird for me. There's a different weight that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate. There's brokenness with my, my dad, and, and my one son is asking more and more questions about him. Can I be honest with you? I don't, I don't know how to answer those. I don't know how to look at my two boys in the eye and be like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, you've never met your grandfather. That's a weight. One that I was not prepared for this season. There's a different weight of just things going on. Gotta be honest, I, even in this Christmas, Christmas season, I felt like I've been walking in darkness sometimes. And I've had to be reminded over and over and over again that God's light is faithful. It's always been there. And it's not far off in the end of the tunnel. It's been right there. I've just been turning and looking elsewhere. But with God, darkness will never get the final word. The shepherds that night, Rome and their social status didn't get the final word. There's some of us here that need to hear that poverty in your life will not get the final word. There's families that we serve with hand-to-hand and and with our, our food pantry that poverty and brokenness will not get the final word in your life. Those of us who walked in with family brokenness this morning, can I just share that darkness of broken families will not get the final word in the presence of God Almighty. There is hope for you today. And darkness doesn't have to get the final word for you. Because it can't ever triumph over God's victorious light. One of the names, the titles that Jesus was given is the light of the world. The light of the world. 
And what's intriguing to me is that as Jesus was given this title, when he enters this world, darkness flees. Darkness has no choice but to get out of the way because in his presence, there's no room for darkness. When we are in him, we know that darkness cannot win. And so this morning, I told you, you're going to make a choice. As Jesus entered this world, he entered to bring it light and to give it light. A light that would burn bright and shine throughout the world. I don't know what you walked in with this morning. But I know that when you sat down, there was a card on your seat. I want you to look at that card. Because there's some of us this morning that we need to admit and we need to accept that Jesus was born so that I don't have to live in darkness. There's some of you this morning that you are searching for hope, you are searching for answers, and hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And maybe this morning you need to accept his light into your life to get rid of the darkness. Here's what I want you to do. It's not that you have to say some special magical prayer or do some magical dance. It's very simple. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Trust me. Abide in me. Follow me. It's pretty simple to be honest. Admit you're broken. Admit that you can't save yourself. God, I need a savior because I can't do this on my own. And I trust you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Forgive me of my brokenness? Would you reconcile me back to you? And I want to be very clear. If that's you tonight, for the very first time, I want to encourage you to take a step of bold faith. Fill out this card and place it in this basket during this next song. And there's others of us today that you've you've walked in here and maybe today you need to rededicate your life, recommit your life back to him. There's a box that you can check off for that too. That tonight is a, or this morning is a pivotal morning for you to put a stake in the ground that I I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. Not going to waver. Would you walk up during this next song, place your card, and light your candle as you do that? And for some of us, we took a a big step, and maybe this past year we made that decision or took a step of faith this past year. If that is you, would you come and place your card in here and light your candle? And I know, hear me on this, I know there's some of us in here that those categories don't fit some of us. I get it. That's, That's okay. Listen to me. This moment is for people to take that first step, to boldly proclaim their faith in first-time dedications or a rededication in this past year. There's going to be a moment in a few short seconds after that moment that you will also light your candle. But for this next few minutes here, if you this morning need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, for the very first time or rededicate your life today, I want to invite you during this song to walk up and place that card in this basket and light your candle and then go back to your seat and worship with us. And if this doesn't fit you, that's okay right now. I promise you, 
promise you there's a moment where this room will fill with the candlelight. But in this next song, if it's your first time, or if it's a rededication, would you take the moment to fill that out, to light your candle? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship together. Would you join me in prayer? Holy Father, you are good. And we come before you and we just acknowledge that we need a Savior, that we need your Son. So, Father, would you just allow us to take a step in bold faith and follow you. Lord, I pray that for those of us this morning that are wrestling with the nudge from your Holy Spirit to take that step and place our hope and faith in you, I pray that you would move mightily in their lives right now, that you would rest upon them, that they would fill out that candle and light their candle from your candle, this Christ candle, symbolizing that they put their hope and their trust in you. And for some of us that to this morning we need to rededicate our lives, I ask that you would allow us to just take that step and do that today too. God, we praise you for what you have done already last night and even this morning, what you are doing right now. And I ask that your spirit would be poured out. And as we just go into this next song, God, if if people are searching to find their hope in you, would they just pray this prayer and allow you to come in and light their lives up to show them your love and your grace? Would they just simply say, God, I am a sinner. I know I am broken. I know I can't save myself, but I know that you are God and you are good. So Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you reconcile me back to you? And would you bring me into your light like I've never felt before? Lord, I give my life to you and I pray this in your name. Lord, that's our prayer, that your spirit would fall, your spirit would move within us, and that we would experience you this morning. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.